Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Throughout history, there have been individuals who have not only prayed that prayer, but walked it out as a lifestyle day by day. Each of these people have a story about creating and maintaining a revival culture wherever the Holy Spirit leads. This podcast is about capturing those stories and telling them to the world. So whether you are driving down the road, cutting your grass, working out, or just relaxing on your couch, thank you for choosing to join us for our Revival Chats. Well, hello and welcome to Revival Chats. I am Spencer Lloyd. I'm your host for this podcast, and we are so excited to be uh, finally producing this first episode. Uh, the heart of this podcast is uh, can be found in Joshua chapter 4, uh, verses 21 through 22 and 24. Uh, it says, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Uh, And then continued on Romans 10 verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So the heart of this podcast is to tell the stories so that when our children ask, we can point to the monuments that of what the Lord did in our lives. And we can say, uh, well, let me tell you about that pile of stones. This is what God did. This is why you are where you are and why we are who we are and why we do things the way we do things in the kingdom. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I could start, we could start the storyline anywhere, um, in this particular ministry that we're a part of, uh, so much of what we do is traced back to um, one man's obedience. But uh, you know, there are so many other moving parts that had a that had a significant impact in all of us being here. Uh, so we're gonna, you know, in the great and in, in the great cosmic uh, storyline, we are picking up. Uh, you know, I don't know that we're in the middle. I don't know that we're at the end, but we're picking up where we are. So for this first podcast, I've got a very good friend of mine in the studio with me today, Aaron Sims. Uh, Aaron Sims is the pastor of Parker City Christ Fellowship. And uh, I think part of what we're going to do today is we're just going to hear the story of how the Lord sent Aaron here to Parker. It's pretty remarkable. And as we were just reviewing uh, before we came on the air, it actually starts clear back in the 1800s with a missionary named Mary Slesser who goes to Africa. But before we get there, uh, Aaron, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell everybody uh, hello? Hello, everybody, and thanks for having me. You are welcome. Aaron, um, what do you, uh, I mean, what do you think about, I don't even know where to go with this. Being part of this cosmic storyline is such a privilege. And when we, when you take a step back from your own involvement in it, like if you were able to take yourself out of yourself, and look at your storyline from 500 feet in the air. Um, like where where would you start to to bring to bring people current to where we are right now in this room? Where would you start that storyline with you uh, to get us to where we are now? Huh. I guess 
I would say that wherever I start, you're talking about the grace of God. And so, you know, we, we, we give our testimony, we tell these uh, amazing stories, but ultimately anything that I have to say uh, is by the grace of God and for the glory of God. Now, when, when you say grace of God, I've heard a couple different definitions for that yeah. over the course of my life. How, when you say that right there, how are you, for our listeners, how are you defining the grace of God? Well, I think I know how you're probably uh, referring to it, uh, which would be far more theological and smart sounding. Uh, but for me, um, God's grace to me, of course, I mean, it's unmerited uh, favor. Uh, but God working out his kingdom and God reaching out to mankind that he sent his son to save, uh, the, the, the mode that he, best I can tell, has chosen has always been uh, his people and his church. And so the evangelist to the world ought to be uh, the church of the living God. And so the empowerment of that to me, uh, because I'm part of that, you know, Ephesians um, says that we're one body uh, with one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all of us, in all of us, and through us. And it, and it, and so when I'm talking about grace, I'm talking about God working out his kingdom for his glory through his church. And I, when it happens in me, I'm a part of that big C church. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where did that, where did you first, and and maybe it goes way, way back, but for you specifically, where did you see that grace first start to really, no, let me say it this way, where did you start to recognize that grace being active in your life? Oh, boy. Well, for me, uh, I would have been, I guess, this portion, I could go younger, but Honestly, I could make a good Calvinist out of anybody, I think, uh, by telling you where it profoundly started in my life. I was 18 years old. Uh, Me and a good buddy of mine had moved to Florida. Uh, We were just doing what foolish young men do. Um, And I was standing on my balcony in Florida, you know, uh, nice view, I might add. And um, just standing out there smoking a cigarette. And I had had um, a history in the church, went through, I'm not going to belabor the points of rebellion, but I was acting foolish for a few years. So did you, would you say that you grew up, quote unquote, people can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, grew up in the church? Yeah, I had an ecle- kind of an eclectic uh, church background growing up, but yes. And so, I mean, I... Went to a little country Pentecostal church. I was in Nazarene church. Part of my childhood was in the Church of Christ, which is, you know, another offshoot of, uh, you know. And so I, the Bible, I had an under a general understanding. I knew Bible stories, and I had been in a church where the Spirit moved freely uh, some uh when I, you know, through my early teenage years, and I had some pretty profound experiences, like I think uh, many people do at uh, youth camp. And um, 
And so I had an, I knew deep, deep, deep within me uh, that there was a God, that he moved, they answered prayer, that he was out there. Uh, honestly, I was just running. Okay. So you wouldn't say that you were at that point, 18 on your balcony in Florida, you weren't agnostic. You weren't an atheist. You were just running. Yeah, I think I was just numb and I was just running. And, um, um, yeah. I, yeah. So what happened then? So I, <laughs> you would ask, I was, sm- I was just standing there. And so when I said I would make a good Calvinist out of anybody, I'm speaking about grace. Um, I didn't pray, uh, to be saved. I didn't, I wasn't seeking the Lord. I, I cannot adequately describe where I had been for about a month. Um, but it was, uh, I don't, I don't want to diminish depression because it was something far, far, far beyond that. And yet God's grace kept me through it. I, I knew enough of what I just told you that I couldn't, couldn't end my life. I was fearful of that because I knew there was a hell and yet I didn't really want to live. And yet I didn't know where to turn. So right. in, in retrospect, would now this is gonna this is like an old school, old saint term. <clears throat> but would you say uh, in re, was that the, the hounds of heaven? Were they on your Were they on your case? You know, I've heard people. If that's a, if that's the hounds of heaven, I I don't know that I'd ever want to pray it on anybody else. What I <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, if I I try to describe it to people, and I've never done it justice because the darkness I was in it was a dark place. Oh man, and and so what happened was I'm standing there, and and I mean suddenly, capital S, suddenly, uh, I saw my whole life, those old reel to reel movies, go before me, and and I suddenly saw, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I saw what I was called to. I saw, I saw a lot really fast, and suddenly everything on the other side of dark made sense and so and i knew what was between me and that real to real movie which was purpose i mean which was like an actual reason to breathe and exist and it and it was right i mean you know uh in other words i felt like i was seeing what i was created for which a lot of people are hungry for so this sounds very supernatural yeah, uh, uh, incredibly I mean, <clears throat> was were you seeing this in your mind's eye were you seeing it like an open vision in front of you like you watch a tv screen what Something, something different um, altogether. <laughs> I could use words. Um, if I said open vision, it wouldn't be entirely accurate. If I said mind's eye, it wouldn't be entire. The best way I can describe to you is, um, you've. I think everybody listening's probably been in a movie theater. Uh, then you've probably been in an IMAX where the screen gets bigger and bigger and it fills up the hole. Yeah, and the sound is so loud and encompassing that. That's kind of all you're receiving right then. Yeah. It was like that. Okay. Um, it The best the best way I can describe it, it was like a, a, a dream, but I'm awake. Okay. And so. So this happens to you out on the balcony. What, what was your response? My response was immediate uh, because I went from zero to purpose. And so I didn't. Did you feel that depression leave immediately? immediately it was gone. 100%. Um, yeah. And once again, dep- and it, it, you know, to call it depression would diminish, you know, proper, you know, what it was, was right. 
in my mind, looking back, God pulled the plug on everything fake and empty in my life, but he didn't pat me on the bottom. He left me there for 30 days. Yeah. And so when, when Jesus came and when I knew I had a choice to make, here's where I, what I was referring to earlier. At that point, I made a choice uh, to repent. At that point, I made a choice to say, Jesus, I, I know you're the son of the living God. And I'm sorry, and I want to live for you. All that happened very quickly, but God had done such a work that it was the only sane thing for me to do. Mm. I mean, on one hand, it's completely completely empty, no way out. On the other hand, I see a door full of light. Well, a fool would have done what I did. So yeah. there, there was no merit in my choosing. It was just God's grace. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, my life changed. So <clears throat> physically, your next step, you're out on your balcony, you have this experience... <sighs> You yeah. go inside. Well, you know, you, you hear those stories about uh, somebody's first action, their first obedience. You know, we've all got a particular heritage, a particular story to tell, a particular life to live, right. calling, gifting, whatever it may be. Um, part of my heritage uh, growing up was sitting under the ministry, um, you know, in a church that, it's, that had been brought up through the ministry of... Uh, Reverend Lauren Helm, who is an apostolic man who preached, um, who preached the gospel. Honestly, he looked at it at a church, um, and he saw it for what it was, yeah. but also believed in what it ought to be, and preached yeah. about uh, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. And a whole lot more I could say there, but I called home my first. The first thing I did, I was compelled to do it was to call, so I'm, you know, I'm down in Daytona Beach, Florida, and I call home to Illinois, and I say, can you send me a copy of this man's biography, A Voice in the Wilderness? Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I was just, I was compelled to do it. So you didn't <clears throat> think, you didn't have like a conscious thought, you know, that'd probably be a good book for me to read. It just was like as real and as, and as driving as that vision was, it was the same kind of thing that just said, I, oh, I got to get this book. It was part of the vision. Okay. It was because in that, you know, of course, you know, you try to use words to just, how do you describe the Mona Lisa to somebody who's never seen it? How you describe, you know, what does it feel like when God speaks to you? You know, um, God's a supernatural God. Um, but I had, I had a very real understanding before I even walked in from that balcony, that my life was intricately connected uh, to this man who I was getting the book about. Okay. And so um, it it would have made logical sense at that point, but I was compelled. Same. So this is your uh, we'll call we'll call that experience. I don't know if we call that you experience your salvation story. Maybe you're you're coming back, your uh, restoration story. Uh, but then that's uh, what you're 18. You're in Daytona now. Yeah. You're 39, yeah. so we've got 21 years. Right. Uh, what? So between 18 and 39, where do we go next from the balcony in Daytona? I went home uh, to Southern Illinois, and I immediately. W- wanted to get in church. And so, you know, I, unless God, you know, speaks to you some divine thing or, uh, I, I went home. 
right? And home for me, I mentioned there, there is a little church in Cynthiana, Indiana, uh, Fairhaven Christ Fellowship. Uh, and there was a man there named uh, Mike Douglas. Well, I want to I want to ask a question really quick before yeah. we get there. Yeah. So <clears throat> the conversation between you and your buddy you were living with in Daytona, how did that go down? I mean, because what, what you look at him and say, "Dude, I had this encounter, and I'm saved now, and yeah, I have to go I back to." It's funny looking back. I don't think, um, you know, I can tell this story, and if I told it a certain way, I would sound like a superhero you could write a book about. And the reality is not that at all. And okay. so I don't honestly. What I do remember is the Lord made a way in about four days. Okay. Uh, wow. For us to pull up stakes, which there are there were practicalities to that. Well, yeah. Um, but the Lord, it was very clear to me that I had to get home, and it became necessary, uh, I believe, for us to get home. And so, without going into details, you know, we, my life was a mess, and I, I'm sure his was far less of a mess. But it was it was a gracious God that uh, got us back. Okay, so all right, so so he was coming back to Southern Illinois with you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now you're both back. There's a church in Cynthiana, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. With a man. Mike, I think you. Yeah, Mike Douglas, Pastor Michael Douglas. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And uh, which, by the way, for our listeners, uh, we are for sure going to have Pastor Mike on this podcast sometime in the future. Uh, the stories. This, I mean, outside of his stories being amazing. He's a fantastic storyteller, uh, and you will not want to miss. Uh, we could do a whole sub series of this podcast just with Pastor Mike's stories, but uh, anyway, oh, yeah. I digress. But we are gonna, we are for sure gonna get him on here, uh, provided he's willing. I think he is, and uh, provided we can uh, make it happen, which I'm confident he's a friend. He's a friend of this house. So anyway, so okay, you're back. You're at this church in Cynthiana. Yeah, and it you know I'd been there for a season for some years. My off and on, my attendance was spotty, but my family had been there for some years. And so, uh, when I get there, uh, there'd just been a, a recent change and uh, and who the pastor was. And so Mike Douglas became Pastor Mike. Uh, he had been a deacon, and it, honestly, he was a called man from the get go. Extraordinary story, but he stepped into the the senior pastorate there, and so I I just came home and started going to church. Uh, there was no great uh, thing to tell uh, initially, uh, but I'm just I'm being faithful, putting one foot in front of the other, showing up on Sunday, showing up on Wednesday, um, getting grounded and trying by God's grace this you know to be less stupid outwardly. Okay. And you know God is being gracious there. Yeah. So uh, now I know because we spent a lot of time together yeah. how significant a role Pastor Mike played. Uh, in your becoming who you are now in, in your process, is that, is that an over-exaggeration to say it that way? No, because there came a point, you know, I, you know, I saw that reel to reel. What, what I didn't say earlier is I saw ministry in it. Uh, I saw a lot. I mean, to this day, there are things I saw that I still haven't seen fully uh, that we're beginning to walk in. But, you know, you have... It's one thing to have a vision in the wilderness. It's another thing to come home. Now what? Yeah. And so there, there's a there's a there's a there's a time between here and there. Yeah. 
and you know I wasn't going to come home and get hey guys I know you know I'm home to I'm here to minister like no there's an awful lot of work to do and so I, I went back to school and and uh, I didn't forget any of that I just uh, was faithful in church and put it in the back of my mind um, now, you went back to school you went to Bible college no oh no goodness no <laughs> I <laughs> I went to a local uh, community college uh, just to knock out some some of the first two years, you know, uh, of core classes. And I had a mind, always medically minded. I thought I might want to be a doctor. Okay, so you're uh, headed that direction. Sort of, yeah, right. enough to be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So you're plugged into the church now. Yeah. And you are hanging out with Pastor Mike. Well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. That hadn't really started. Well, that's okay. So then, so there came a certain point. I'm yeah. about a year and a half in, and I've knocked out some... Uh, I've knocked out some credits and I, and the Lord was helping me at that point. Uh, was doing okay. And I'm getting ready to transfer to university. And I just signed up at the university of Southern Indiana for a semester of classes. I wouldn't wish on many people, organic chemistry and physics and all that mess. And I've heard uh, horror stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and it was fine. I mean, I was, I was excited about it, you know, um, and I don't know how to explain this one either, but it just went dark. I mean, I had already done the paperwork. I was, you know, rolling and grades were fine. And um, and I had been faithful in church. And, you know, I'm heading toward, hey, I'm thinking if I get this done, I can take the MCAT, blah, 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 and try to get into medical school. And, yes. you know, kids dream. Sure. And I was at that dreaming place where it would take a little more action that could become reality. Mm-hmm. And... uh and the plug just got pulled on it, and I and I'm sitting in church, and uh, and this was a quieter mercy of God. I just uh, there were no bluebirds flying upside down with rainbows shooting out of their eyeballs, saying "Do this or do that." I just had an understanding within me that it would be wise to sit down with Pastor Mike and tell him what was going on. Okay. So I asked him. And he said, "Sure, I'll meet you at McDonald's so and so time," and we set up a time to meet. Because he asked me, hey, well, do you want to talk after church? I said, no, this needs to be private. Um, you know. So and, now uh, you're about 20 years old? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so we make we schedule to meet. And to hear him tell this story, it's a lot. he's a lot better storyteller, and he would laugh telling you. But this, this is where it gets good because, uh, once again, I the IMAX movie, I saw the reel-to-reel. It was all about ministry. Uh, but I come home and... Uh, we're not heading that direction. I'm just sitting in the pew soaking everything in. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'm going to meet with him and tell him, you know, tell him what I just told you. It's like the plug's getting pulled. Yeah. And so he's he's pull, he pulls in. There's a funnier story. Um, I'll let him tell his part of that sometime. But he gets there, and I'm sitting across from him at McDonald's. He's already, The Lord's already been talking to him on the way in. And I tell him what I've told you in more detail, and he, he says, well, let me ask you this, if there's anything, anything in the world you could think about doing, you know, what, what would it be? Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, pastor, you're going to think I'm crazy, but, uh, I think I'm called to the ministry. And at that point you'd have to know pastor Mike, but, uh, he's, uh, when the Lord starts working with him, it's not uncommon for tears to flow. And uh, his face didn't move an inch, but he, he his eyes just started leaking like you turn both faucets on. 
And of course, my heart's going nuts. And uh, he never did say, I believe you're called to the ministry. He started giving counsel and he didn't have to say anything. And what happened was uh, from that point on, uh, it was in my heart to just serve the church however I could, which he was a, a hands on uh, servant. He was a deacon far before he was a pastor. So he was forever getting in, um, in stuff. Yeah. Uh, to do. Yeah. And so I started being in all those adventures. Everywhere he went, I went. Okay. Um, there's, and there's probably some stories there. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, so, so this was, and, and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, showing my hand. So, but this McDonald's meeting was not the one where he didn't show up. That was it. That's the part I was going to let him tell. Okay. Yeah. He had been in business all of, you know, much of his adult life. He had never been late for a meeting that he knew of. (laughs) And uh, this one he forgot until about an hour into it when his phone rang. So he comes racing into my hometown, you know, and how would you feel? You know, yeah. nobody likes to forget. Nobody likes to be yeah. late. And and uh, I wasn't upset or anything. And well, I, that's the reason. I, the I had a very specific reason for asking the question, which was, so in that moment, you had a real opportunity to be offended. You had an opportunity to be like, I can't believe I sat here for an hour and you forgot about me and right. But I mean, well, I think, I think God's grace again, Yeah. because if, if this had been, uh, you know, I don't know what stream you all are in that are listening to this, but I can say this and some will recognize what I'm saying. If I'd been in the flesh wanting to meet with him, like if I had it up, if I had up and decided, you know, I think I want to be a pastor because I like, that wasn't what was happening. Right. And so there was a grace on what I was doing. Uh, mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit was moving in me and with me. So it wasn't some high spiritual thing. I, I just, the thought of being offended, I don't remember crossing my mind. Good. Well, and what was actually happening is it gave opportunity, uh, a memor- it made the experience more memorable. And, uh, and when he pulled into the parking lot, when he got there, he said, as his wheel touched, you know, that dip from the edge of the road to the parking lot, the, yeah. whole, the spirit spoke in his heart and said, I'm calling him to the ministry. Wow. And so he knew walking in the door, uh, he was trying to hold his face and keep his cards, but uh, uh, the Lord had already prepared him. And so that's, uh, yeah. So we've gone from 18 on a balcony in Daytona yeah. to McDonald's in Cynthiana, Indiana. Right. Where do we go from here? Uh, serving uh, until April of what 2002 I just served however I could and whenever I could so how many years is that uh, I don't know three okay four all right I can't do that that's too much arithmetic uh, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't do the organic <laughs> chemistry remember so this uh, is from like what 98 yeah, 99 yeah. to 2002 you said yeah okay all right uh, and in April of 02 the the church be, uh, recognized that God was, uh, they recognized the call that was on me. They licensed me to the ministry. Um, and I began to serve the church in a more public way. But the reality was a lot of what we were doing was feeding people, um, you know, making trips to Mexico to, uh, feed people, uh, you know, mission trips, things like that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't wearing a suit and well, uh, so I want to ask you about, uh, you've, you've said, um, (laughs) to me, oftentimes you've talked about the woodshed. So 
Will you, can you talk just a little bit about the woodshed? You're talking about the wood shop? The wood shop, sorry, yeah, yeah. the wood shop. Yeah, so we were building and have been uh, a small country church, and there's a long story there, uh, and, and every story's got another story. Um, but these incredible stories of uh, the Lord leading, and, and God gave Pastor Mike a vision of a church on a property that nobody wanted which kind of sounds like a God thing. Yeah. Uh, if you say it, uh, you, you hope you're right. And, yeah. he, and he was. And uh, we bought the old Cynthiana school and tore down part of it, left the gym, started to build around it. And uh, one of one of the stories you would hear from him is uh, when God was doing a transition in his life and out of the blue in a very hard time of his life. I can't imagine this personally, uh, but the Lord spoke to him and said, get set up like a commercial cabinet builder. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never had that revelation. Never had anyone I know have that revelation. Now, had he ever worked in that's the thing cabinetry? No, like that would be like telling me to do astrophysics. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it. Like I don't. And so, and he, and as far as I know, he didn't, but here's what I do know. He said, well, Lord, you know, you know where I am. You're going to have to take care of it kind of deal. And, um, Next thing you know, a man walks in his door and says, hey, brother, I've got this table saw and I don't need it. And I was just wondering, do you have need of it? Now, is this somebody like that was in the church? Is yes. this a friend of this, his? This okay. one was, as okay. I recall. Uh, next thing you know, somebody has another $300 hand tool This and it just appears in his truck. And over and over, God just starts providing him okay. a wood shop. I mean, piece by piece. I mean... Anybody would have seen there's something going on. I mean, yeah. um, and so anyway, that 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 went on over years. So how okay now if in 2019 if I want to know how to do something that I don't know how to do, I hop on YouTube, type it in. Right. How did I mean? So because he's actually this wasn't just in theory. Pastor Mike and other they you guys start building stuff well god continued and of course that evolves that was a small wood shop when yeah so the church grew to a point we bought the old cynthiana school built a building out back like a morton type building that was going to eventually be used for vehicle parking and whatnot down the hill well in the meantime we needed in essence a staging area to do he had in his heart to do the woodwork and very specific things you know, all the doors are raised panel oak doors, all butcher block, all the rails and styles, all the, you know, what that stuff is. Very laborious, very beautiful. Uh, be very expensive to buy if you went on, you know, buyadora.com or whatever. Um, we're building all that stuff by hand in a wood shop that by now the Lord has provided commercial tools for. And so when Spencer's saying, you've told me about the wood shop, uh, we spent years in that wood shop. Yeah building things for the church. Now, here's what was happening, though, fundamentally. Um, and this is where I'm going, I think. This is this this was uh, this was my school. This was where the Lord didn't uh, send me halfway around the world to seminary. He sent me to a wood shop in a small town with a man of God, see what he sees, do what he does, listen and learn. Uh, and the longer I was with him, uh, the more the Holy Spirit began to do the things in me that I saw him doing in him. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And 
when you said a few minutes ago that you uh, knew that your ministry was, or the ministry you were called to, I don't remember the exact words. It was tied to, yeah, or or similar. What what were the what was the words that you used? I don't want to misquote you. I don't you. remember. Uh, I I think I said intricately tied. To. Intricately tied to. Okay, yeah. Reverend Lauren Helm. If if uh, the listeners, if you guys know Reverend Lauren Helm's story, it's not too far. I mean, he he was headed to seminary, and the Holy Spirit stopped him. Uh, and he he had been there, I think, for a semester. Uh, maybe a semester and a half, and he just, or maybe it wasn't even a full semester. But I mean, he's there, and the and the Holy Spirit says, "Go home." Right. And uh, so, it, you know, it, his training as well. You know, getting back to the wood shop. I mean, this was. Uh, I mean, you know, Jesus was a carpenter too. So if you're gonna, I guess there's a pretty good place well, to learn. Well, yeah. Well, if and if the listener, like you said, is. Uh knows who Brother Helm was. What's incredible to me about this is that uh, I'm, so the the man I am in the wood shop with is a disciple of Brother Helm's. And so he learned how to walk with God by watching Brother Helm do it. Yeah. And, and Pastor Mike is an honest man who wasn't trying to sell t-shirts or, I mean, he's doing this thing for the right reasons, and he loves God and he loves people, and yeah. he's given up his life uh, to walk with God. And so where did he learn that, Brother Helm? Yeah. Um, well, when Brother Helm came out of seminary, where did he learn this from? The, the prayer Spirit. closet. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. Yep. Like, he was an extraordinary man that, that spent years on his knees, uh, and, you know, he didn't have a wood shop to go to with a disciple of uh, best I best I can understand. It was incredible yeah. what the Lord did with him, the way he trailblazed. Um, it just it really was, and so I had the, I had a very distinct privilege of of being alive in his wake, yeah, uh, and being able to be imparted to by a man who had that walked with God, yes, because he saw Brother Helm do it. Wow. Okay, so we're gonna keep the story moving. Yeah. So here you're in 2002, 2003. Years now are being spent. You're uh, an associate pastor at this church. Right. Um, what next? Now, because remember, our, our end goal is you here in this room with me right now. Oh, boy. A lot of serving. Okay. Uh, I mean, honestly, a lot of serving. Uh, pastor Mike would run circles around most men, and I'm keeping up with him. So, you know, we might be in West Virginia. We might be in Mexico. We yeah. might be building a church. We might be serving the community. We... Um, you know, whatever, whatever's on the docket, you know, might be there, working there in were, the kitchen at uh, youth uh, camp, youth camp. There, <laughs> were, there were widows roofs. There are lots of stories, you know, these mm-hmm. extraordinary, miraculous things we'd be involved in uh, tornado flood relief, uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, nothing, you know, I mean, there, there's some stories there, but a lot so, of that was going on. So maybe the next, the next like big part in this story in, unless there's something you need to take us back to, but would be when Pastor Mike feels like he's um, supposed to retire and you're supposed to be the senior pastor at the church down there. Yes. Yeah, so Is that a good place to go to? Sure, fast forward yeah. to? I mean, obviously I got married and had three kids in between there. That's but, a, those uh, are know, important. Biographical sketch there. Beautiful wife, uh, Missy. That's a, uh, that's a cool story too. Yeah. It involves uh basketball and oh man, Aaron's rippling muscles on the court. That was all completely that was, false, except for the basketball part. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I married the 
most beautiful, wonderful woman on earth. That's no lie. Aaron often says she's the nicest person on the face of the planet. She's the best human I know. Best human. Except I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this walking with God thing works out. Uh, you know, sure does. Uh, he takes care of us and he knows what we need before we ask for it. That's right. And that's not a cliche. Nope. Um, okay. So you, you got yeah. married, had three kids. Yeah, got married, you are now kids. the senior pastor at Fairhaven. Christ yeah. Fellowship. So this would have been, uh, late 15. I think it was in late 15. Uh, pastor Mike had it on his heart. The Lord put it in his heart that he was to retire. We're going to spend about three months, um, you know, informing the congregation, uh, he was he was going to you know basically transfer, uh, you know, over, and trust the Lord from there. And so, and he did exactly that. And so, it's uh, I think it was. Oh man, I should have had my wife here wrote notes down on years if we were going to go here. But well, uh, let me. I want to interrupt here too because yeah. some other stories are coming to mind. So, Pastor Mike has died, like actually died at least once. Yeah. Did it happen more than once? Just once on my watch. Okay, so were yeah. you, were you <laughs> yeah. were you was this uh were you still the associate pastor when this happened or was this when the transfer had had taken place? Actually, I was I was that was later in the story, but miraculously I was in the hospital room. Okay. God got me back in the area. Yeah. Okay. And so I actually saw the whole scene. Okay, we'll let Pastor Mike tell that part yeah, of the story, but yeah. so that, that's just to whet your appetite so that you'll subscribe to our podcast yeah, and be sure to come back. Okay, so uh, Pastor Mike has it on his heart to transition yeah, yeah. out of leadership. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure he'd still be part of leadership, but not yeah. the senior pastor. What yeah. was that? What What was that like? What What did that involve? Well, I think it would be of interest to anybody that's been in ministry or the church for long to to know that the man who mentored me prayed about what he was to do, uh, because often, you know, it's not uncommon for a pastor when he retires to hit the road, um, because, um, find some other uh, church body to be a part of. Yeah. Because it can be awkward and the new guys, you know, hashtag authority, whatever can be undermined and all that political drama stuff that comes up and, and we were, we were very good friends. I mean, make no mistake. He was my pastor. Like when he spoke, I was listening because I, I believe the man and he walked, he walked with God, but we were very good friends. Um, and he was praying and, and the Lord put something incredible in his heart. It, he was, the Lord put it in his heart. He, he was trying to, he couldn't see what, what was next. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you serve him like he served you. Wow. I've never heard of. Wow. I mean, that's, that's easy to say the words, think about. All the, uh, the guy, the guy that you had mentored, and I, I don't know how many stupid things he probably heard me say, where he's thinking, "Oh dear God, help him," but he just very <laughs> smiled and waved and prayed, and you know, he, 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 don't get me wrong, he spoke to me, but I know he had to put, put up with a lot of silliness, and to see that kid grow up, uh, that young man grow up and uh, become your pastor, mm. and then have a heart that's willing to be, yeah. Uh, a servant. I mean, that, that's a that's, that's an a mir- incredible testimony. That's a miracle. It really, really is. Um, yeah. So that happens. That happens. You are the senior. I'm going to kind of fast forward this a little bit because sure. I'm sure that there are many more amazing stories you could tell. But you are 
the senior pastor down there for about nine months. Nine nine months. And then uh, plot twist. Plot twist. What happens? Okay. Well, speaking of heritage, I'm up in Parker City, Indiana, because I'm being driven by the Holy Spirit. Uh, that IMAX movie, Reel to Reel, that I saw on my head, it starts coming back in spades, and I'm being driven. So I'm the senior pastor at Fairhaven, and... Uh, one of the basic tenets of our ministry and our heritage is uh, obey the Holy Spirit. Right. And so it was literally my job description at Fairhaven. Not not be weird, not find weird things to do, but when God speaks, do it. And so uh, some things that you can be saddled with professionally, I wasn't. In other words, if it's time to go, and the Spirit's saying going, the church was cheering me on. And so I'm up in my heritage hometown of Parker City, Indiana, where Reverend Lauren Helm was uh, born and raised. And there's a, a church there, Parker City Christ Fellowship, where we're sitting now. Yeah. So we're, yeah. Uh, and I came to find—I I just started having questions. Really, here's what was in my heart. I've read Brother Helm's biography that you heard me say I asked for when I was 18. Uh, told you I knew my life was intricately tied but I, what was really in me, if any of you are familiar with Paul Harvey, uh, ironically, radio. Yeah. The rest of the story. What's the rest of the story, yeah. right? I wanted the rest of the story. I wanted to talk to people who knew things that we weren't do. in the book. Yeah. So full disclosure, uh, I grew up in the church Parker City Christ Fellowship. So the church was um, founded, I think, in the early 80s. Uh, Reverend John McAdams was the, the founding pastor um, at the at the request at the beckoning, I guess is uh, really of the Holy Spirit, but through Reverend Helm. And I was born in '84, and so from '84 until when I almost uh, when I went off to college, uh, this was my church. And so for years we met in the old Lions Club building. Uh, they called it the the Lions Club Cathedral, over uh, you know just a few few blocks from where we are now. Uh, but in 1994, I believe, they started building this church that we're sitting in now. And uh, it's fun because I can remember, uh, maybe it wasn't quite as early as 94, but I think the building was finished in 96 because I can remember coming out here on Saturday mornings with my dad uh, and actually working on the church property. Now, as a sixth grader, I was they were like handing me a broom and I was sweeping nails into a pile or sweeping up sawdust. But I have... Uh, I, I have really deep ties here. This is not only my heritage hometown, but it's my, my physical hometown. So, so you're being brought here by the Holy spirit to talk to the people who know the rest of the story. Yeah. What, I don't, I don't what know are you who finding? I'm coming to talk to. I'm just determined, okay. determined to find them. Find somebody. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what'd you find? Oh, I found some people that knew some things. That's a loaded question. I yeah. Uh, where to begin? I think there's, before I, there's one thing I'd like Spencer asked what went on in this time. Um, I became a senior pastor at Fairhaven. Then we get to where we are in the story. Um, but I would be remiss if I did not mention, and this is the part that wouldn't make guideposts and wouldn't impress anybody and wouldn't make people want to sign up to be who you are, or do what you do. Um, but to say that you've, uh, feel like you're called to ministry. Um, we we do a disservice not telling people that they're going to have to be broken. Yeah. 
And uh, for about seven years, my wife and I went through a period of suffering, uh, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, every way. Uh, And there's not really a way for me to exaggerate it. uh, Because when the hand of the Lord is doing it, it's more pressure on you than any any angelic slash demonic being, any person or... Uh, can put on you somebody um i'm a college professor an adjunct professor um nearby and uh one of my students it's at a christian university and one of my students wanted to get coffee with me because i had shared a little bit about my a little bit of my story about coming out of education to go into the ministry full-time which is a story for another podcast really um uh, and it picks up at the end of probably where we're going to end with this episode. But um, he wanted to know because currently he was an education major and he was feeling this call into ministry and he wanted to know about my process and uh, any advice, basically. And uh, so I said, well, I said, you, you have to know that you know that you know that you're called to ministry. And I said, if you really feel this, if you really feel this is true, I said, I want to encourage you to fast, uh, do a, a water only fast for, I said, at least a day I said, although I would recommend three days and spend time seriously seeking the Lord's face about whether or not this is what he's calling you to do. I said, in addition to you praying, have some friends be praying with you and for you so that they can be your, your spiritual covering while you're praying. Um, because you know, I, I am fresh into this transition. Right. And I know uh, you said when the hand of the Lord is on you, it's it's more severe, more, uh, you know, I was in that place for about two years. Like that was my, that was my, my um, wine press season. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it, it'll, I th- it'll be different. It'll be longer or shorter for different people. Um, it, it has to do with what the Lord is calling you to. It has to do with, uh, how, how much of you there is in you? Like, what does the Lord have to empty out before he can pour himself sure, in? And I think yeah. there's a lot of these things. So, you know, if your season is only uh, one year, just be thankful. Um, if your season is 12, be thankful for that too, because the Lord knows, you know, it's his sovereignty that prepares us for the work that he's calling us to do. So, um, okay, so y- you were going through this process. You're being... Uh, killed <laughs> I can't, yeah not. one of my heroes yeah one of my heroes bonhoeffer dietrich bonhoeffer uh the cost of discipleship a book he wrote a german theologian martyred right uh, by hitler uh very first phrase in the book as i recall i mean you read it, it just hits you like a two by four between the eyes when christ calls a man he bids him come and die yeah wow um which you know, is, those, okay. you know, count the cost sort of business, you uh-huh. know, I like those no nonsense guys that, uh, that really do it. Don't just talk about it. Yeah. Well, he so, did. Uh, and so yeah, it, that crushing and that breaking, you find out, um, a lot about yourself, mm-hmm. uh, more you find out what you don't know, um, and what you can't do without yeah. the Lord's help and all that striving. That's right. Ceases when you're being broken and then. All of your inadequacies are laid bare. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Nowhere to hide. Yeah. Mine happened to be laid bare in front of classrooms full of high schoolers, which was <laughs> its own story. I'm uh, just incredibly thankful I married a saint. There you <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Amen to that. Okay, so 
that seven years happens, you're coming up to Parker. Right. Okay. So you're saying, um, well, can we, so all of that's happening. You're starting to learn. When is that in relation to uh, when, I mean, the next part of the story, here's the plot, here's the plot twist, right? Pastor Mike, well, you're the senior pastor. Right. Have been for nine months. Nine months. Right. Okay. So nine months, not even a full year. Nine months. And yeah, this then, is in 2016. Okay. So then what happens? I'm up finding the Paul Harvey rest of the story in Parker City, Indiana. I'm yeah. making phone calls. And it's not a large town. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it, small towns, you know, people know there's a pastor or a guy kicking around asking questions. And uh, I end up at a yard sale in front of the, this just sounds incongruous, I know, but I end up at a yard sale. Uh, Jana Dunn's house. What month uh, is this? Mm, that's a great question. Well, it's got to be warm outside because it's the yard sale. But this is 2016. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. in spring or summer? I think it's toward the end of summer, okay. this particular part. All right. Um, I'm at this yard sale. Um, and I, there's so many details here, but here's the incredible part. I'm up, I don't know people's names up here. So like, this is my spiritual heritage, but like I'm in Parker city and like, I don't know the name of the streets. I don't know a lot of the facts. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and a lady gets out of a car. I'm standing out front with some friends of mine, you know? And so here you have friends from different places and right. they'd all just kind of, uh, they were all at this one house had some James and Elizabeth friends of mine, Heidi Morris, uh, was there and Jana, of course, I've, I've made a friend in her now, and okay. that's a whole nother story. Uh, first time I was up in Parker that year in April, I get to Jana's house and a nine to 12 hour meeting breaks out, which was revival and nobody there really had any business being together for that meeting. Yeah. There were no ties that bring that, people it, together. Th- that's a whole nother story, but that was a week to the day after the man from Africa came and said, you all need to pray for a man to be sent. And so I was in the town seven days later. Um, Well, going forward, I didn't know any of that. Right. I'm at this yard sale. I'm back up here because I was making repeated trips. Like I was sitting with people, praying with people, talking with people, soaking up everything I could. And one of those primary resources was this lady I mentioned twice, Jana Dunn. She had done extensive research on a lot of the Paul Harvey stuff with Brother Helm. Yeah. And so she opened up her proverbial library and handed it over to me by the grace of God. And, um, and so I'm reading and finding out a lot of things and I'm standing out front and this, this lady pulls up in a car, this elderly lady, and she gets out of the car and she walks up to me. I have no idea who she is. And she looks me in the eyes and she says, we've been praying that you would come be our pastor here. And I'm looking at her, and the moment she starts talking, you know, it's it's kind of like when I'm standing on the balcony, yeah, and the the real to real movie, mm-hmm. it felt like an IMAX going on. Yep. Um, she's talking. I'm looking at her. She's looking at me, but she's really looking through me. And I know when she's talking, I'm like, I I know this woman's talking, but that's not her talking. And she didn't know you either. Did I didn't she? know her. I didn't know who yeah. she was. Okay, so here's what I know. Uh, I knew, (laughs) 
I knew that she was sent from God. Now, I'm not telling anybody this, but I knew from the moment she said that what it meant. I was My insides in about three milliseconds were going, oh, my Lord, I'm moving to Parker City. Um, I'm going to be the pastor. I've only been senior pastor at Fairhaven in Southern Indiana for nine months. This is four and a half hours away. Um, but you know, the wind was blowing. Okay. Now I want to put a pin in this part of the story because you mentioned a man from Africa. So I think that it would be good to, um, hear a little bit of that story. And, and I mean, just, just a little bit, just, just connect the pieces here Okay. from the woman who I mentioned, the missionary Slusser, Mar- yeah. Mary Slusser yeah. in the 1800s. Connect the pieces from her in the 1800s to the man from Africa the week before you were on this porch for this yard sale. Okay. Uh, by the way, that lady who said that to me. Uh, she turned around, got in her car, and drove off. Didn't yeah. say hi or bye to anybody else there, and has no recollection of that meeting. None. Yeah. She... Um, it was an incredibly sovereign move of God. And the thing was, it would be one thing for me to tell you it happened, but there were witnesses. Yeah. So they and they knew this woman, and they knew that it was incredibly un out of character for her. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, before we started recording. Like in the context of this ministry, that was something that was not like if you felt you had a word like that for somebody, it was something that you prayed about. Oh, you would pray privately. More, you yeah. would be very careful. And you, uh, yeah. you, you, you don't go around banging and clanging and saying, you know, go thou and yeah. God, I got a word and yeah, kind of deal. It's carefulness was one of the hallmarks. Uh, that was taught in this ministry. Yeah. Certainly not everybody in any ministry does everything well. That's right. But it yeah. was taught. And so And she's one of the uh this she's one of the original like if you if you could say original members of this ministry. Now there wasn't membership, but one of the uh first generation uh of people to be affected by or influenced by Reverend Helms' ministry, she was yeah. in that group of people. And she would have been, I think, around 89 years old when when this happened. This happened, wow. And so, so, you know, that was later in the year in 2016. Uh, it was before September, but back up in April uh, that he's referring to. So to get me to April, being in Parker City, the first time I met some of these people and learned a name or two, um, there was a lady named Mary Slesser who was a missionary. You read a book, uh, Mary Slesser of Calabar um, in the mid-1800s, came to Africa, Nigeria, and she had an extraordinary ministry. Um, and of course, she led people to Jesus. One of those young people uh, that she led to Jesus had a vision of a man from America coming to bring revival. And so some generations go by, mm-hmm. and... Uh, some time goes by, and this man has a son that he sends to America uh, to get an education. Well, lo and behold, while he's getting his education, who does he run into? Reverend Lauren Helm. Right. And he gives him the call to come uh, that, that was handed down to him. To bring revival to Nigeria. Yes, and in 1982, in 1982 Brother Helm and I think around 40-some-odd uh, people Yep. Uh, made their way to Nigeria, mm-hmm. um, and 
revival did indeed break out on a bus in a in a place I can't pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> in Nigeria. Of course, I wasn't there, but uh, some friends of mine were, um, and they've described that trip to me. And it's incredible the stories that came out of it. Yeah. Uh, but in, in on that trip, uh, Brother Helm had an interpreter, um, and the Lord led him to get a different interpreter, and 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 this a gentleman named Joseph Umana became his interpreter. Mm-hmm. Well, bear with me. Uh, one like a stair step. Yep. So Joseph Umana, years later, gives Reverend Helm's biography to a young man named Essien Ukpe. And so we're still in Nigeria. Yeah. And the story goes on, right? One mm-hmm. generation to another, telling stories, sharing the kingdom, giving what you have to offer, the testimony yep. of Jesus. And Essien Ukpe in 2016 is compelled to get to America, as I understand it. Um, he, he was coming um, for ministry purposes, but okay. he was flying over the Midwest and he wanted to stop. Uh, in Indiana to get to Parker City, as I understand it, to just to see where the man of God lived right. past tense, which, which is incredible to me. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's cool because if you've not read uh, this book that we're talking about, A Voice in the Wilderness, there's a chapter in there that's specifically, the title The title of the chapter is The Home Built by Faith. And uh, there's, there's no, that's not an exaggeration. That is factual. Uh, the Lord gave Reverend Helm a vision of a home that he would one day have, and the Lord provided it. And the story of how that happened is in this book. And so um, that occurrence, now again, I'm saying this from the perspective of having grown up here, uh, that is not that was not uncommon. People wanted to come and see the home that was built by faith. Right. And so he's one of them, except he's coming from Africa. He's coming from Africa, yes. Okay, so he comes. He comes, and he meets a few people in the sanctuary, Parker City Christ Fellowship. They pray, as I understand it, on a Saturday. They ask him to come back uh, on Sunday and share. Um, of course, I wasn't here, but I understand he did. And when he got up, he had a word for the congregation. Um, yep. And that word was for them to pray uh, that God would send in a young man uh, to carry on in the same anointing that Brother Helm did. Um, and that was, you know, I mean, it gets personal to tell your own story. But when I told you uh, I showed up in Parker City looking uh, for the Paul Harvey, yeah, uh, the first time I did it was exactly seven days after that. I was there the following weekend. And uh, so began my many trips to Parker that ended uh, with this lady uh, who had this word for me. Yes. And when she told me, I knew my life changed. That was some months later. Okay. So as all this, we still got pastor Mike, who's thinking he's going to be now, if you know pastor Mike, he's never going to, he's never going to fully retire as in um, park it in a lazy boy and, you know, until he goes home to be with Jesus. Yeah, far but, from it. Yeah. You know, he's maybe things are slowing down a little bit or at least changing. You know, he's not the one leading the church down there. Um, and so at the same the same time that you're getting this revelation about coming to Parker, the Lord starts speaking to him too, right? Yes. And to hear him tell it would excuse me, would be more extraordinary. But so I'm ha- I'm getting wrecked by this prophetic word that comes to me and I know my life's changed. 
And so um, I call him the next day and I say, we need to talk. And uh, I said, you might want to sit down for this one. <laughs> and I tell him in more, basically more detail what I just told all of you that I'd gotten this word. And of course, when you've worked alongside some, he knew as soon as he heard my voice uh, that the Lord was moving. He didn't, he didn't have any question. What I was telling him was the truth. He says, so here's the kicker though. Uh, you know, I'm telling him, you know, hey, I know we transferred for 90 days. I know you went through this extensive process. I know yeah. you've mentored me, helped me. Uh, <laughs> I, I know you were gracious enough to say that you, somehow we're going to serve me like I supposedly served you, like even though he does everything far better. All this, <laughs> right, all this. Um, and now I'm telling him nine months after, you know, in a church when there's a transfer of leadership, it's not a small thing it's for, a big deal. for, yeah, for the for the congregation. It's a big deal. And they had, you know, uh, the day we announced that I was going to be senior pastor, I don't think everyone was doing cartwheels and saying hallelujah. <laughs> uh, but... Over the course of a few weeks and then months, you know, everybody had had grown accustomed and and the church was prospering spiritually and things were, you know, things were going well. Um, and then nine months. And then you see so you're like nine oh, months. By the way. Yeah. Well, he says, well, I have some news for you. This is where it gets really interesting. He says, I was out in my prayer swing and that's a whole nother story. He's praying in a swing uh, in a resurrected tree uh, that's another podcast another day and he's in prayer that morning and the lord says something to him very once again very unique says tell me uh, you'll come back wow and it didn't make any sense to pastor mike and uh, as i understand it he wasn't arguing with the lord he's saying well lord uh, uh okay i guess i mean you know yeah we you know Everything's set, but sure, I'm, I'm willing. Everything's good, right? And, I mean. and so he says it, and then his phone rings, and here we are. Yeah. And so he had agreed to the Lord to come back. And once again, nobody's planning this. This is not, <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. I'm getting wrecked up in Parker City, and the Lord's telling him, uh, tell me you'll come back. And the phone rings. And by the way, there wasn't one awkward second in, the, in becoming the senior pastor because of the humility and the grace of yeah. Pastor Mike. And there wasn't one awkward second in telling him, God's sending me on. Matter of fact, he cheered me on. I mean, that's really incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then he drove me up here to meet uh, with the leadership here. Now, tell us that story. S- the story just gets more incredible. Yeah. Because, you know, we didn't go to rentapastor.com or, you know, I need a job. I... I didn't know anybody really up here. All those trips I made up here, I wasn't coming to get the church. Like right, I, yeah. I, I, I realize I'm a senior pastor at a different church, and you know that can get weird. I'm not, I'm not up here trying to steal your sheep, or you know, I mean, what I was after was information, Holy Spirit information. Were you coming to church services in Parker no. when you? Okay, never, not okay. one. All right, uh, except for <laughs> uh, back up uh, in April. Uh, there, there were a series of meetings they were having. I think I got to one of those okay. and then that nine hour meeting happened. Okay. And so, um, after that, no, I wasn't in the church. I wasn't, I had called, uh, the pastor mm-hmm. and asked for information and he thought, no, that's interesting. But that was the end of that. Cause he, he didn't really have an answer. He gave me a little bit, but he didn't really have the answers that I needed at right. that time. 
And and the the story, and I'm going to have the uh, former pastor from Parker City on because his testimony is is uh, remarkable in and of itself. But um, even how he came to be the pastor here at Parker is pretty remarkable. He was he was what we called the what the, a permanent interim. Yeah, Pastor, he's got yeah. some funny title for it, but for yeah. ten years, yeah, ten year interim, he was yeah. an he was a again air quotes interim pastor. Right. Uh, so they are at the point now. You don't know any of this, but he I had, don't know any of this. He had just been telling the congregation here that the Lord had been showing he and his wife that it was time for them to step down. Yes, yeah. Pastor Kim and Janice both. His wife had both felt like the Lord had told them they were done. Yeah. According to him, so the Lord's preparing their hearts. The Lord's preparing their hearts. So when you get up here, then it's not like you're prying it out of their hands. They're like, they're holding it with open, open hands, saying, "Okay, Lord, whoever you know." Well, it's you know, sovereign hand of the Lord was moving. So Pastor Mike and I show up in Parker City on a Wednesday night, and uh, we find out when their prayer meeting is. I don't remember if we called or Googled or whatever. But we found out they had church at seven, so we came and. Uh, there was a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, and there weren't a lot of people there. And we just sat there kind of quietly and got with the pastor after the prayer meeting and said, hey, I, you know, I'll tell him I'd like to talk with you tomorrow. And we set up a time at a restaurant. Um, so we get to the restaurant, and I, and I tell Pastor Kim Gilbert, uh, who I don't really know. I had met him once before, and I was so memorable that he didn't remember I was even there. Right. I mean, years before, years before that. <laughs> we just found uh, that out. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And, um, you know, we don't know anything. What you just said about retirement, we didn't know. Yeah. And so I'm telling him, I, you know, I don't have a grid for having this conversation. So I'm just going to tell you where I am and what's happened. Well, this kind of conversation is not normal. Like, it's not. Okay. I'm going to. No, let this, you... is, this is definitely not business as usual. Right. So, okay. But tell us what you told him. Uh, I told him, in essence, um, what I just told you. And I said, here's what I know. The Lord is sending me here to be the pastor. Yeah. And I'm telling, and I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I'm not being, by God, now if you you can't see my face, but I'm not being, and he knows this, I'm not being bold, I'm not being arrogant. Right. I, he knows that I believe what I'm saying, even yeah. if he thinks I'm a crazy person. He would have known that I'm sincere. Yeah. But the added testimony that Pastor Mike Douglas is sitting next to me, yeah. who is a man of integrity, a man of honor, who Kim would have known and heard of, and he is affirming what I'm saying and the experiences. And so at that point, if you— What was his reaction? Well, if you're the senior pastor and you've got a— 37 year old sitting across from you telling you, you could have a lot of reactions. Uh, most of them would be very not pretty. Yeah. Uh, he began to weep and he said, and as I recall, his first words were through tears, all my prayers are being answered. Wow. And at that point is when he began to tell us that he was looking to retire, that they had been praying for a young man to be sent, uh, pick up in this ministry well and we just learned tonight well i just learned tonight that there was a group of people specifically praying that the lord would send the man and that he would tell them here in parker yes that he was coming to be the pastor they were praying those specific words that you spoke right across that table to kill right. like this is stuff you can't make up well, I guess you could but you'd be a pretty good storyteller <laughs> but this <laughs> is certainly yeah not anything i've heard yeah yeah 
So uh, that's in 2016. Yes. So just this past October, we celebrated three years. Yeah, sometime in late September. Yeah, late September. Yeah. Okay. Three years. Yes. Have you been the the pastor here? Yes. All right. Well, uh, in that in that three years, the Lord was working behind the scenes, and um, now has uh, set things in order that uh, He has given you uh, a place for your voice to be heard in and through this um, organization that was established to support Reverend Helms Ministry. And uh, so that's really what this podcast was birthed out of. It's another avenue uh, in the 21st century right. to uh, tell these stories. Yeah. Uh, because then, um, now this will be for another podcast, but it's uh, it's mentioned uh, in the newsletter, if you've got that, if you've been reading it. But then in uh, January, no, I think in February of 2019, I call Aaron. Right. And I say... Uh, Hey, and, and there's more details to this, but basically I say, Hey, if you're ever out of town, I would love to come, you know, I, I wasn't trying to put myself like weasel myself in anything. I was just submitting my name to be available to come preach. Uh, if that were ever, because Aaron and I, so Aaron and I go way back. We, uh, 15, maybe almost 20 years that's the crazy part is that I can now talk about something happening 20 years ago and I wasn't still in diapers. I don't, I don't know how that makes spiritual feel, maturity, my friend. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So Aaron and I have known each other for a while. So then when I find, when I find out Aaron's coming up here to be the pastor, uh, I'm like, well, that's really cool. It'll be closer. You know, I'm thinking revival friendship there. Uh, our family's getting to know each other. I, I had no idea that it would end up, we'd be in ministry together and I'd be the associate pastor, uh, here at the church where I grew up. And uh, like I said, that's a that's a story for another time, and I and we'll be sure to share that podcast. But um, yeah, if, uh, it happened quickly. I, I made that phone call in February, and then uh, the first Sunday in March was when I was uh, here, um, really as a guest at first, and then but by the th- third Sunday, I think third I Sunday, was yeah. officially uh, an associate pastor. Yeah, out at, loud. Uh, you yeah. already you already were spiritually, yep. but yeah. We made it official, and then October twentieth, I was ordained, yes, uh, into the ministry, and that was that's another story too. It's got some very cool parts to tell. Well, I think that we have given you enough to chew on for this episode of Revival Chats. Uh, we want to thank you so much again for choosing to stick around with us. We hope that this podcast has been encouraging, that your soul has been fed, that your spirit has been uplifted. Uh, we want you to know that. Uh, we are doing the stuff. We are walking the walk by God's grace. This message of revival, of awakening, burns in our hearts. Uh, it's not just an idea. It's not just um, uh, uh, some crazy story that we heard once. This is real to us. This is our reality. We don't. We don't have a plan B. There's not a a, a, a fallback option. Uh, we're sold out to this thing and whatever it looks like. And so, um, Aaron, I to end this podcast tonight, I wonder if you would just pray for us and you could pray for the people who are listening, however the Holy Spirit would lead you. Sure. Um, well, Father, in Jesus' name, um, anything we have said, anything we have good to offer, it's for your glory and for your glory alone. And as Spencer is mentioning, revival and awakening, um, Lord, for everyone listening, I, I'm thankful for my heritage. 
Lord, and I'm sure they're thankful for theirs, and some of them are mutual. Some of them don't know any names we've mentioned. Some of them know all. Um, But we are part of one body. And so, Lord, for everybody part of this one body, I would pray for all of us uh, that thy kingdom come, that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you all. Amen. Amen. And uh, thanks again for joining us and we want to encourage you to hit subscribe so that you miss, so that you don't miss and you make sure to get all of our podcasts which really are just what it's called revival chats.